Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism, and the beauty of resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister, and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee and Erie peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians, white Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's Song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. Wow. So first of all, I just want to welcome every single new person who has joined us in the last few months. We've seen a lot of growth in our audience, especially in December when we had over 6,300 listens, which is almost as many as we had in our whole first year way back in 2017. That's incredible. So welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so grateful folks are finding meaning in what we're doing in this space and joining in, sharing episodes and taking action. It's just, it's amazing. And speaking of 2017, this episode marks our fifth birthday. The very first episode of The Word is Resistance was released for Sunday, January 15th, 2017, the MLK weekend that year, and just days before the inauguration of the previous president. We have lived through so much since then. If you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that we've tracked so much of what's happened over that time here on the podcast, so much. I don't have to tell you, you know, we know. We know all the way down in our bones what we've lived in the last five years. What I will say is that this space where I imagine to myself your faces, your beings out there tuning in every week or however often, I imagine your faces and try to find meaning in these ancient stories, meaning that will somehow help us get through. Well, what I can say is that this space with you has been a gift to me. Five years ago, when I first started sending out this episodes, it was just me all by myself, didn't have the crew yet, this awesome, you know, crew of amazing, amazing organizer, activist, interpreter, fabulous people. It was just me. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't create an episode without tears and wanting to throw up every time. 
I was so scared to put my voice out there and say things out loud to all of you that seemed so big and that upend so much of Christian tradition. And now? Well, now I still get a little scared, to be honest, but I look forward to it every time. I look forward to wrestling with these times and with these stories and offering to you what I hope is some nourishment, some way to keep going, something to quench our thirst in these dry, cracked times as we fight white supremacy on so many fronts and do our part to build up a new world. So happy fifth birthday to the word is resistance. Whether you've been here since the beginning or have just joined us recently, thank you. We're so glad you're here. So it's fitting that our gospel text for today is about a party. Not a birthday party, but a wedding party. A party. This is John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You know, I've always thought this was a really odd miracle. I've always wondered, what does turning water into wine at a wedding have to do with anything? You know that old Sesame Street song, One of These Things is Not Like the Other? Um, And if you don't, I may be dating myself here, but you can find many examples on YouTube. But anyway, it seems like one of these miracles is not like the other miracles, which are about healing and feeding folks and, you know, the occasional raising of someone from the dead, which really, I guess, is kind of an extra special healing. The water into wine always seemed like, and been talked about like a nice magic trick to show how awesome Jesus is. But otherwise, what's the point? I'm not super interested in a magic trick that doesn't address people's lived material circumstances, like hunger and illness, for which there are many miracles. Livening up the party feels frivolous when people are sick and hungry. Maybe you feel the same about this. 
But today I'm seeing this miracle in a new way, and I'm certain that's because I've had the opportunity to figure out what the heck those other miracles mean while working on this podcast with you. Healing and feeding folks. That is vital and needed work when folks are hungry, malnourished, and ill because of the Roman Empire's oppression that has limited or even taken away the community's access to food and health care. Compound that with the impact that that stress has on human bodies that make the impact of hunger and the risk of illness even higher. And we see how healing and feeding folks over and over and over are not only necessary work, but also fly in the face of Rome's oppression. It's a declaration of one's position, one's defiance to heal and feed people's bodies when the empire is fine with you being sick or hungry or even dead. If you want more on on all of that, I'll link to a couple of episodes where I address this in the transcript. So where does that leave us with today's story? A wedding party, about to get much more party-like thanks to Mary's insistence that Jesus do something about the lack of wine. And you know what? I think Jesus is also wondering what this miracle has to do with anything. He's not very nice to his mother about it, saying it's not time yet for this sort of thing. Maybe he's waiting for a bigger moment, like feeding 5,000 whole people or, you know, raising someone from the dead. I can almost hear him rolling his eyes when his mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Fine, he says, fill the jars with water. Well, the eye-rolled fine is not in the text, but I sure do hear it this time around. I wonder if Jesus is thinking, this is not what I'm here for, to liven up the party. How frivolous. I'm here to heal and feed people. That's my very important work, to get in Rome's face. It's so serious. Come on, Mom. And yet, here we are with this miracle, given such prominence in John's gospel that it's the very first miracle that he does. Not a healing, like in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but livening up a party. A frivolous magic trick. Or is it? Mother Mary, in her infinite wisdom, is actually on to something important. After all, Jesus' people are hungry and sick because Rome steals from them, steals their food, steals their harvest, but calls it taxes for the Roman peace, steals their healing plants, steals their children, steals their neighbors to enslave them, steals whole communities when they burn them to the ground, steals their labor steals their sleep, steals their dreams, steals their hope when they crucify the resistance organizers, steals their joy. Why are they even out of wine anyway? I mean, maybe it was a hell of a party, but maybe, maybe it's because they're poor. Poor because Rome has stolen from them and they just didn't have enough to go around. Or maybe they were able to save just enough for one round, but not for two. 
Or maybe Mary just wanted people to, you know, just have more fun or joy. Liven up the party, she says. We deserve joy. We were meant for joy. This can be hard to hear when we're struggling through something like this pandemic and the climate chaos and uprisings and all the things. Taking time for cultivating joy and celebration may feel frivolous, a magic trick that doesn't have much to do with anything else. But you know, Mary knows what she's doing. Mary knows that joy and celebration in the face of the empire's attempts to steal it from you is its own form of resistance, its own way of getting in Rome's face. Joy and celebration are ways we build resilience when everything is so hard all the time. Joy and celebration nourish our nervous systems, letting them rest from the stress of the everyday. Joy and celebration are ways we can express and deepen our love for ourselves, each other, and the earth. And joy and celebration help us remember why we do all this work to begin with, why we fight the good fights, because we want more joy, more goodness for all of us. And I think Jesus learns from this because later in John, he will say that he has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. And what is abundant life if there's not joy and goodness and gladness for everyone, everyone, now? So Mary says, liven up this party, bring us more joy. In 2007, after my friends and I were arrested protesting Columbus Day in Denver and were pretty beat up by the police, the wonderful counselor at our seminary, who many of us were seeing to help us with the trauma, told us, y'all need to have a party. You need to do something fun together because right now, every time you see each other's faces in the halls here at school, you just see the trauma. You need to see joy in each other's faces to help you all remember you are not just holding trauma. You need new memories that are about joy together, not just trauma together. So we did. We had a potluck and a big fire outside and we swung around glow sticks and we flung around kids and we laughed and laughed and laughed. Oh God, she was so right. It wasn't like it erased what had happened to us or made the injuries in our bodies miraculously disappear. It wasn't a magic trick that made it seem like all was suddenly right with the world. But it helped us find some joy together again. Inside jokes that made us giggle in class or in the hallways or our next planning meeting. A deepened care for one another, which continues to this day. That joy helped us, sustained us, as we moved through the aftermath and we faced the trials that were coming. So maybe Mary's insistence on livening up the party, maybe that makes it a healing miracle after all. Joy heals the wound, salves the wound, where empire has tried to steal our joy from us, has tried to steal our humanity from us. And it is definitely trying so hard right now to make us forget why we are here and what we are meant for. 
So liven up the party, Mary says. We deserve joy. We were meant for joy. Our call to action this week is, yes, to cultivate more joy. Liven up the party. This may feel tricky during a pandemic when we're supposed to be keeping our distance from each other. And right now it's winter and like five degrees outside here in Western New York. And I know you are creative, wonderful humans who can find ways of cultivating joy for yourself and with your people. Maybe you've just needed permission to do it, to be told it's not frivolous to find and cultivate joy and celebration in the midst of these scary times. So now you know. And in the spirit of livening up the party, to celebrate our fifth birthday, we are having our first ever virtual meetup for our listeners. Yes, you. Mark your calendars for March 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Registration info will be coming out soon, so watch our social media. You'll get to meet our crew and hear from us about how we do this thing called the Word is Resistance. We'll give you an overview of what we're paying attention to for the Lent readings. You can ask us questions and meet folks who are also in your area. We would love to meet you, so please join us. Help us liven up the party. And another way you can celebrate is by donating to support this work. By giving at the link, uh, the bit.ly link, bit.ly slash j-f-r-e-j-s-u-r-j, that's all caps, j-f-r-e-j-s-u-r-j, you can split your donation between Surge and our amazing partners, Jews for Racial and Economic Justice. JFRED is doing really incredible work and has also been really key in helping us understand anti-Semitism, which definitely shows up in this podcast. We'll have that link uh, in the transcript as well as our social media, so watch for that. Thank you, as always, for joining us wherever you are on this good earth. We'd love to hear from you all, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks, by filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org. And give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcast. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org, and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. And we'll be back next week with a resistance word from Jean Jeffress. And finally, a huge thanks to our sound editor, Claire Hitchens. Blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time, I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap. <laughs>